Today we have a great episode. I have some family on here. First and foremost, this is the 10 Artist Commandments podcast, the number one book in the music business right now. And today we are talking about commandment number eight, it takes a village. And I have one of the most successful teams in the entertainment industry. I have Tish Taylor, Cersei, and Jacob Lattimore in the building. You guys know Jacob Lattimore from The Shy. You know him from House Party. Today we have actor, singer, Jacob Lattimore, and his manager slash mother, Tish Taylor, Cersei, are in the building, and they are here to talk about is taking a village. What's going on? Welcome, y'all. Hey. What's up? What up? Thank you. So, so you guys, um, you know, I, I wrote this book about my 18 years in the music business and I've been working with you guys for eight of those 18 years. So almost half of my career has been spent on this phenomenal team of team Jacob. You know what I mean? So I'm super appreciative and I'm glad y'all are here. And I, I just felt like there was nobody better to talk about it taking the village because Jacob Lattimore's success is because of the team he had behind him as well as his incredible talent but one of the best teams I, i've ever seen you know what i mean and there is no turnover you know the people who were with you guys in the beginning are people who are with you now and that's amazing to me like you don't see that in the industry so um i'm very happy to have you all on yeah it takes a village man so so jacob could, could you do me a favor could you could you read that excerpt that i sent you from it takes a village you need believers. Art is a commodity, and as an artist, you are your own business. Art businesses usually start with you, an individual artist with the talent and the vision. What most artists discover sooner than later is that running an artistic enterprise becomes too cumbersome to handle while also trying to stay inspired in order to create their art. Having a team in place increases the possibility for you grow your business exponentially. With a solid infrastructure, your business will start to hum alone, reaching wider audiences and increasing your income. In the beginning, artists normally have to handle a lot of the day-to-day -day responsibilities. That's actually a good thing because it gives you an understanding on what it takes to get certain things done and how you like them done. The key is to be well-educated in all aspects of your business so it's easier to see it as an actual business. So let's talk about that because Tish, you you were obviously you're his mother, so you were there in the beginning. But when when it said in in the excerpt that Jacob read, like in the beginning, you have that that talent. What was that moment where you realized, like, oh man, you know, every every mama think they son special, but what was that moment when you was like, yo, this little guy? <laughs> well, let's see. For me, I think Jacob was. I think it was his persistence. I think it was his work ethic. And I think um, he was very, like, persistent to be polished. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I saw that he was very polished at a young age without a lot of training other than VHS tapes and, you know, performances of what, to Temptations, B2K, Usher's uh, Confessions Tour, those were like, you know, that was content he was watching over and over and over and over again. And it just showed that he wanted to perfect his craft and he was actually doing that, you know? So I, yeah. I just believe he had it. And beyond that, you know, you know how people say when people walk into a room, they just got it. Like Jacob, to yeah. me, has always had it factor. He's always wow. had it. Factor. So 
that that so, prison that aura was it was in him at a young age. It, it sounds like his seriousness made you take it serious. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it. I, I took it serious because he said this is what he want to do. He was very right. vocal. Like when he said this is what I want to do, and he meant it, then it was like okay, we off to the races. So, so Jacob, well, let me ask you this. Was it, was it that you felt like you had the talent or was it that you just wanted to do it? You weren't even thinking about how talented I am. It's just like, no, I want to do this. Which one would you say it was? I felt like, I, I want to say it's a little bit of both. Like, I definitely felt like I had the, the work ethic to, to get it done. Like, I wasn't really, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about the world or or conquering the world. I was just thinking about conquering Milwaukee, conquering my school, conquering yeah. my classroom, conquering recess. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I was like, I think that first day of school, I wore uh, a t-shirt with my, with my single cover on the, <laughs> on the t-shirt. It said Jacob Lattimore, best friend. And it's like me on there like this. And they like, yo, that's your song. And I would just sing it to the girls like that, like right off yeah. the rip. And then, like, after a while, I started building this popularity, like, in elementary school. Like, all my friends, they'd be like, oh, man, we're going to be your security at recess today because you're getting, you getting famous. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we just started building that, 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 that imaginative mindset that, like, hey, like, I'm going to do this, you know? And then my, my father, who was already doing his thing in music, was like, oh, well, bet. My son sing. Like, it's, I don't think there's nothing more fulfilling for a father to be like, man, my son want to do what I want to do, you know? Right. So I think even my dad was like, all right, well, we're going we gonna to take you to each school around the city and we're going to pass our flyers and we're going we gonna to yeah. make this hot, you know? And um, my dad was a, a big a big help as well. Like, he was just, like, passing our flyers. He, he really kind of taught me that, to be honest, that um that street work, corner to corner, kind of yeah. like, that gorilla marketing. pass out your flyers, tell people, Tell people who you are, you know. Yeah. And um, he was like, I. He would say, I. He would say, say, I am Jacob Lattimore. <laughs> like he was. He still say that type of stuff to this day. And um, and that kind of hustle at a at a young age just kind of started really in school. I really wasn't thinking about the world yet until maybe like I got on YouTube and started like putting covers out and stuff like that. Then I started noticing people from different cities and states was like DMing or, you know, I would take hours out the day just to respond to fans, no matter how many I had, if there was a hundred or 50 people, I would take at least an hour out of my day just to get on my website or YouTube or whatever social media platform, MySpace at the time, and just be like, look, I appreciate it. Thank you. Like I always just made sure I was like, thank you. Appreciate it. It's more coming, more coming. So wow. it really just started in my city. This sounds like it was just work from the beginning. Like you, you never even contemplated like, okay, I want to have this career. You was like, no, how, how do I have this career? Let me go straight to work to make this happen. They could probably don't remember what he actually said. I want to be a singer. That's what he said. He said, yeah. I want to be a singer. He said, and I know I vividly remember saying, this is what you want to do for your, like for the rest of your life. And he said, yes. And that is when, that's when we started to, you know, make it into, treat it as a business. A business, that wow. That's when we started to treat it as a business. So Jacob was about at least eight or nine years old when he articulated this. Yes, a lot of moving parts. So when he decided, when he articulated it, 
that's when we went and started to record. We spoke mm-hmm. dad, a guy named Earl. Who else was there? Um, I don't want to forget nobody because people be mad. Um, so from, from the beginning, you guys had a team. It may have been family members, but it was a team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at what point did Tish, and I guess this question is for you. At what point did you start to feel like this is like I need to leave work and focus on this? When when did that happen? Yeah, that was that was the time he was saying this is something he wanted to do and take seriously. That was 2005. So that's like that immediately. Was, yeah, it was 2005. I, just, I was just laid off of Sony. I was yeah. just laid off of Sony Music and I had just got a job at an experiential, experiential um, agency, GMR. And I was an account executive. I was there for about six months. And I knew I had to leave because we were setting up school tours. Literally, I reached out to every school, every boys and girls club, YMCA, anything that I heard that was going on where I knew his fans could be, his demo would be, and create a tour. Jacob, remember the best friend tour? And we did Mm -hmm. every school. We did literally every school in Milwaukee. And I was like, I ain't going to be able to do this because that's when we started to shift to Chicago and started to do more things in Chicago and Radio Disney at the time was like big and popping. And so that's yeah. when we started to activate with Radio Disney and they started to amplify the record, his, his record best friend on their, um, on their station. So yeah, yeah 2005, I, I literally sat in the office who my supervisor was at the time. And I was like, I truly believe in my son and I got to get up and get out of here. Yeah, wow. she was like, said, I I believe you. She said, yeah. I will do the same thing. And I hated now, to leave because I'm what kind of money I'm about to make. <laughs> <laughs> they say it takes 10,000 hours to master a field. Well, what do you call spending 157,000 hours on one task? Breaking artists. Over my 18 years, I've witnessed the music business change abruptly from year to year. Yet I see artists rise to stardom throughout every era, no matter the landscape. Working directly with these success stories, I've noticed 10 principles that all these artists live by that have helped them conquer their eras. What are the characteristics? What are the traits? What are the practices of a successful artist? What does it take? 10 artist commandments no matter the air no matter the landscape no matter the platform if you want to have a successful career as an artist read this book now now Jacob, <laughs> let me ask you this because tish i know you personally i know you're a great mom you're like a, a role model mom like i've told you many a times like if i could just raise my kids half as good as you did on jacob i'll be all right <laughs> you know what i mean but but with that being said, Jacob, when you first started, were you excited for your mom to be in control of your career, or were you like, "Mom, like I don't know," like how how was you how were you feeling in the beginning with your mother being your manager? I really had you know doubts about it uh, at a young age, just because I would see her like bring artists to the city, and you know while she was well, you was a, a rep for a Midwest rep. Yeah, for Sony, Wisconsin rep for Sony Music. And then I was doing a lot of indie work. So I was right. working with a lot of the labels independently doing promo around um, Milwaukee. So Jacob had always seen me working Boy. in the entertainment space. I just took everything that I knew and my experience in the entertainment space from being a college rep to being 
a sales and field marketing rep for Sony and then doing promo independently. Everything that I everything that I knew there, I shifted and just use you yeah, know, use the same. Jacobs. So Jacob, you always yeah. felt safe. Yeah, I felt yeah, I felt safe out the out the gate because you know, and I think it's not it's not something that a lot of artists can do with their with their parents. You know, it's like yeah. or just family business is not always like it don't work for everybody, you know? Right. right. And um, so it, it's something that just worked for us early on. And um, and I was already meeting so many, like, other artists coming into the yeah. city. Like, I remember when B2K came to to the city. Like, I remember. I, I remember that vividly because I was yeah. such a big fan. I had posters in the wall. I was – I had fake concerts going on in my bedroom. <laughs> like, I'm like, Ma, introduce me and make sure – Make sure, like, you know what I'm saying? Make sure the boombox facing this way so I can hear the music. Like, yeah, it was, it was great. They remember meeting yeah. Jacob at a young age. All of them, B2K, Jagged Edge, all mm-hmm. these guys, Young Jock, they all remember Jacob. They, Mario, they all remember when Jacob was little. They was, yep. Jacob was around. Jacob was around. So yeah. So Tish, like, Ten Arts Commandments, it, it, it's really about helping artists with their business, right? It's very rare that an artist becomes successful. Obviously, you you've navigated those waters and, and got Jacob successful. But even early in those early days, you guys were were making money. How did you manage as a parent as well as you know a manager? Like, did you have a breakdown? Like, I was spending fifty percent on taking care of the family and fifty percent on investing in his career. Like, how did you manage that money early on? <laughs> We was making money, but it money wasn't it wasn't for us. <laughs> it yeah. was definitely going back into his business, and it was definitely going to bills. I feel like for me, I was always very transparent with Jacob from the mm-hmm. beginning. Like this is what we're doing with the money. Yeah. I, I I encourage any parent, just a manager, period, be transparent. Yeah. So no surprises. No. Oh, you stole from me. I was always very transparent with Jacob. Even with him at a young oh. age? Even at him at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Jacob, yeah. okay, so Jacob, at a young age, how did you feel? Like, I imagine proud, but you, I want to know from you, like, how did you feel that you were able to help take care of the bills? Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking uh, about money too heavy then. I think I'm in a more of a business mindset as an adult. I think um, I was just so worried about, like, Performing, yeah. girls screaming, yeah. attention from girls. It all really started for girls. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He wasn't very like it wasn't it wasn't made like he wasn't stressed about it. It was yeah. just I would like for you to know that these yeah. funds came in and this yeah. is what we're gonna have to do with it. And yeah. also when when he did get his deal, we had to create a Coogan account. So he always had 10 to 15% of income going directly to the Coogan account. And that's, you know, we can't. Can, can you explain off. what that is? So the Coogan account is really like a trust, a mm-hmm. savings account that cannot be touched by anyone other than a talent when they when they turn 18. So it's just money for the talent turn 18 that they have some income that they see it. They see something. Do, Jacob, do you remember turning 18 and getting that that bust down check? <laughs> yeah. Six six figures. I was like Yeah. What what did you do? How did you feel? It was good. I think like most like most young men, the first thing I wanted to buy was my car. And I still got yeah. my car to this day. I ain't bought no other car. What? 
For, yeah. From the from the check when you was eighteen. Yeah, I bought my I bought my Jeep Wrangler, and then later, probably about four or five years in, I, I paid it off. Yeah. And then I put out. You were sooner than that because I was on you. You might have paid that years. Yeah. So were you looking forward to that check? Do you remember being like sixteen and seventeen? Like, ooh, I can't wait. No, I remember being like, I'm like, I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> Like, cause at the time I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking about doing nothing too extravagant. So I'm like, yeah. I ain't about to be going nowhere. I ain't about to be taking a bunch of trips. Like I'm like, I'm yeah. about to just stay in town. Like a hundred thousand dollars in, yeah. in Atlanta. It's like, you like, oh, wee, I'm good. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I'm like, so, I, could, I could go to, I can go to McDonald's and be just. Right. <laughs> And so, Jacob, at this point in your career, I mean, you, you've made a significant amount of money. What did you learn from your mom that made you the person you are where you don't spend it? Like, I, I, I've known you, obviously, a very long time. I've never seen you do anything overly extravagant. Like, you've taken very good care of your funds. Like, what, what, did that, what, what lessons made you that way? I've never been, like, super um, – I never just wanted to spend money on, on – crazy things honestly anytime i've like really just drained a lot of funds it was because i wanted to do music videos i wanted to do i wanted you know wardrobe i wanted studio time like everything pretty much i've spent big bags on has been has always gone back into what i love doing which is yeah. music and dressing nice photo shoots and you wow. know stuff like that so like I probably just start really like making sure that I like create like a vacation fund where I'm like, all right, let me go, let me go travel the world. Let me Dude, like man. not take all this money and put it all into these music videos. I'm like, hey, I want to go to Ghana, you know, I want to mm-hmm. go to, I want to go to the DR. Like I want to go see some stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'll, you know, cause you just constantly in that work mode. You're like, man, these right. folks can go towards some other experiences where, you know, you can just, just think differently so yeah it just it, i guess it was installed early because i mean like we always just dump money back into the business it, because it, it wasn't just my career it was my life right you know? so, and so that that early training you know, of you know paying the bills and investing in the business that just became your mindset basically early. so let me ask you this Tishan. we're talking about it taking a village who was the first outside person that came into you guys world me jacob's dad the spot Cersei. That's what Cersei. I thought too. I didn't want to answer for you, but that was what, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> it was, it was so, so tell us about how did how did that come about? So yeah, so how Cersei came about. So Cersei uh, used to manage Rico Love. He had discovered Rico Love back in the day. Jacob was doing all kind of stuff in it in Milwaukee at the time, and I believe Rico introduced Cersei to Jacob because I was. I was in either Chicago or I was in Atlanta at the time because I was working an independent account. So I was doing some work. I can't remember yeah, what it was. I was in. So Jacob met Cersei before me. And mm-hmm. Jacob, I believe, was performing at an event for B100. Jacob, yeah. he did an event with B100, like on a real big stage. I can't remember. They had a uh, Jam for Peace. Jam for Peace. Okay. So, and I think Cersei saw Jacob for the first time and I, Cersei probably called me a week later and was like, yo son, a star, yo son, a star. <laughs> so, so for clarity, what, what did Cersei do? Are we talking about a production label owner? Like what, what was his role? Yeah, he, had 
he had a, a production company and initially it was more like how can i help how can we how can i how can i help how can i assist y'all then it turned into i want to work with him yeah. <laughs> so one thing for me i felt like i knew i'm big on if i don't know it I'm, I, I don't mind pulling in a team member that knows, a, you know, knows something else more than me because mm -hmm. I'm trying to make his dreams come true. I just knew promotions and marketing, but when it became the recording and really trying to truly understand the PRO side and publishing side, I mean, once you, when you green to it, it be, it's like, it's very confusing. You know what I mean? Yeah. When Jacob got on YouTube, immediately a lot of people were reaching out to me a lot of people especially a lot of people down here in atlanta we ain't gonna name a whole lot of names i ain't gonna name no names but literally yeah. when i say every producer executive you could think of that lived in atlanta for some reason found out about jacob from youtube and everybody started reaching out to me even offering money and deals which scared me yeah <laughs> No, it scared me because I never felt like anything was truly genuine. I always felt like anybody's going to work with my son. They got to be with us for the up, the down, up, down, up, down. And if it's down, when it's when it's down, 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 you're going to still be here. So I remember having a conversation with Cersei. And I was saying some things that I was not articulating correctly. And mm -hmm. Cersei corrected me. He said that was anybody else that would have let you, they would have let you sound stupid. And let you feel like you know what you're talking about and literally took advantage of that. But Cersei corrected me. And mm -hmm. to me, that was priceless. I knew that we needed some additional help. Just that one conversation, I was like, well, he got to be the guy because I've been saying this to the everybody. <laughs> He's literally like, what you talking about? I don't remember the conversation, but I do remember right. him saying, I mean, I don't remember the topic, but I do remember him saying, what you talking about? Because that's not, that's not. That's not even right what you're saying. Yeah. I needed somebody to articulate and correct me and let me know what what it, what should I be saying? What should I be doing? You know? So right. that's how so, he got involved. That's how he officially got involved. So Jacob, what's your recollection of of joining that that production label, like or and joining Cersei's team? Or Cersei joining your team, I'm sorry. No, yeah, I just remember taking trips to Atlanta and we were, you know, we were still living in Milwaukee at the time. And um when I would take these trips to Atlanta, it was just I, I just I didn't want to come back. <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to come back to Milwaukee, yeah. and I was just like, because I was just I had I think I was just meeting like all these producers and and writers and just this this energy. I started meeting other young artists in the city too, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, man, it's other young people that do what I do in my city at the time. It just it didn't really I didn't really feel like I could rub shoulders or. I don't know, it just wasn't, it wasn't relatable what I was doing. It was just like, right. oh, he, he different, you know. But when I came to Atlanta, I felt like I seen other other parents working with their kids and mm. kind of felt like a community of, like, young entertainers. Right. And I was like, man, this dope. Like, this dope. And, and, and Cersei at the time just had, we had, like, 30 people in the house. Like, we got, like, <laughs> we got, like, producers. We got other young artists. We got, like, this is... This is, you know, early, early on. And, yeah. you know, we the just... village. Y'all had the same, a village in the house. Yeah, and we were doing the same thing we were doing in Milwaukee and Atlanta. Hitting every school. Yeah. Um, you know, if, during the time we was hitting FYE stores. You know, like, we was just... We were doing a lot of groundwork in Atlanta. 
And yeah. we just kind of kept that same sort of that blueprint in a, in a different city. And then it just kind of became like, hey, we move into Atlanta because obviously the work is there's just more work here and more opportunity. More opportunity to, to grow. Switching gears to to the to the next aspect of your career, so I know you came to Atlanta, but not I believe not shortly after that you you landed in your first film. Yeah, when we were in Milwaukee at the uh, probably like a year or two before, film opportunities was maybe coming my way, like uh, maybe stage play opportunities and stuff. And um, I kind of started doing some after school programs. This is this program called First Stage. I think it's still going on in Milwaukee, Wisconsin right now. And uh, I was just kind of getting like familiar with scripting and improv, and yeah. um, I hadn't really dove into it yet. So I was kind of more a little becoming a little more open to it as I got older but when I moved to Atlanta I found another uh 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 acting acting class and start diving into that a little more as well and then eventually lead into a agent a film agent on yeah. um, uh, joy purpose and and that's um, what I want to know about right like because we're talking about it taking the village and your team you said his name was what was his name again uh the agent agency is uh joy purpose she's a female Okay. Okay. She. So, so how did she come across you, or did or did you uh, reach out to her? I think it was either Cersei, my mom, reached out to her. Yeah. So basically, I was at I believe Jacob was recording, and I met Tima. You know. Yeah, I know Tima. Yeah. That's about it. I remember that's the first time I ever saw y'all. The first time I ever saw y'all was with Fatima. Yeah, met Tima, and Tima was like, "Yo, like, have you met Joy Purvis?" And I was like, "I heard of the agency, never met her." She act. He actually um, sent Joy Jacobs headshot, and I think maybe just some performance videos from YouTube. To be honest with you, Joy was a little bit because she, you know, she gets submissions all of the time. So Joy was. It took her a minute, you know what I mean, to really yeah, pay yeah. attention. One day she called me, and she was like, "I have to apologize." She was like. I just really reviewed Jacob's, you know, bio and he's amazing. He's a star. <laughs> She's like, and I want to sign him. I want to sign yeah. him. And honestly, he won. It, it didn't take shit. It might have been 60 days, maybe yeah. 60, two, three months later, he got his first audition. So that wow. was the, that was going mm-hmm. for you. But I have to say too, when we first got here, Maya table, Maya was getting, Maya was doing bookings. And she started wow. doing some iHeart. And she's the first person to reach out to me for Jacob to start doing voiceover. So Jacob, when we first wow. moved to Atlanta, Maya was helping us get a little $400, $500 every couple weeks. Wow. She was doing voiceovers for iHeart. Yo, shout out I to Maya. Maya. I, I Maya was younger than me. Yeah. Nah, and I, at the time, I'm like, I'm like, what, 10? I'm like, ooh, this man, 500. Yeah, Jacob. <laughs> Yeah, we had just moved here. So Jacob's sixth grade. It was it yeah. was six he was starting grade. So but Maya actually was the first person to really engage Jacob and present opportunities for him. Wow. Like both of the two early people, Joy Purvis and, and Cersei, they saw you as his star, but only because of the work you had put in. Like you had literally just been going so hard, working so hard, like you were skilled. At that point, you know what I mean? It wasn't just talent. It was skill because you had been working at it every day. And so people were just yeah. recognizing that. And that's that's amazing that that hard work was paying off 
by people recognizing you and helping you get into position. Okay. No, I think I think too, like before we even moved to Atlanta, I would I remember consistently being in the living room before I even got into the studio, I would turn on other people's records, rehearse those records like they were mine, be in the living room faithfully every probably every other day with my socks on, jeans on, like remote control in hand. Yeah. Like, wave your hands now, y'all. Like it was <laughs> It was an empty living room. I, you know, it started. I started performing for family, and then by the time I moved to Atlanta, it did feel like, oh man, I already, I'm already so locked in that, boom, let's start recording. And I do think too, like moving to Atlanta, once we, it was a community of young kids dancing, singing, rapping. Every week we had um, dance invasion. So Jacob and I think see. The competitive, the competitiveness of Jacob even wanted to be greater because now we're seeing like a different style of dance. Atlanta mm. got its own situation going on here, right? Atlanta's right. just it's its own different little planet. Jacob just kind of came in, you know what I'm saying? And it was just, I think that it made him even go harder. Yeah. And it was the best for him because it trained, it trained him to be greater, to be around all these other young dancers and performers let me move forward because i know you know you had the record deal and you eventually got free and became independent and this is something that we've never talked about publicly i don't think but uh, but i i want to ask you this question this is how we ended up connecting you you got independent and you say okay you know where am i gonna go next with my music career and you had several people looking to manage you and then you know i was blowing his phone up i'm like man i I really want to work with jacob i really want to work with jacob but let me ask you, you, you had some really large managers that you were considering and me, I was a new young manager. And so what was that process like? I know you worked with one manager for like a, a quick hot second, but what made you make the decision to say, you know, I I, I want to go with the young hungry manager as opposed to like the, that veteran manager? Yeah, I just think I had experienced a, a manager that I didn't really see often, didn't really speak to very often. And, you know, I... I am appreciative of it though, because when I said his name, it did carry weight, you know, and I see yeah. like, and I understand that type of business, but I think, and that's nothing wrong with that type of management. You know, some, sometimes that works for people like, Hey, my manager is this. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Then they take you more seriously by who you, who you manage by. But I think during that time I had reached a point where, you know, it was just, it was so much confusion on who am I musically. And I was like, man, I need somebody I could sit down with in the city. I could pull up on, he could pull up on me. We could, we could chop it up. We could hit the streets together. Like it ain't no, it's not like this distance thing where my Hollywood right. managers in LA and I got to take LA trips to go see him every time and have these discussions on this is who I am and all that. So I just think it, it just made more sense for me to, I don't know, just have that, have that sort of camaraderie in, in, in yeah. the management world. And uh, it's something I was craving for because I was kind of, I was out there vulnerable. Like when you, when you leave a company and they, and you're a talented person, everybody's reaching out, trying to, trying to re-sign you to a deal, rush you into a right. deal. And, and, and I thank God that I, I had seen so much early on. I remember I remember a lot of people trying to flaunt their belongings and their <laughs> houses and their cars and they and they access to like yeah like yeah like you you'll be good over here like and I'm like this don't really mean nothing to me you know what I'm saying I'm like I'm like because 
I'm a celeb too. Like this fire, this cool. It's a nice basketball court in your house. You know, this is fire. I think I think that <laughs> I think Jr. You met Jacob around the time we decided to separate from RCA, and so mm-hmm. around that time, a, a lot of changes had you know happened. So at that time, Jacob decided he wanted to branch off from Crown World. And he wanted to kind of like do his own thing. He, he, he was 18. He needed the breath of fresh air. He needed to just do him for a minute because yeah. the up and down, the the all the opinions of the record label. And Jacob, we protected him from a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it was <laughs> yeah. it was a lot. And so I think Jacob needed that. He needed that air. You know, right. and he had just come off of you know, just the success, a little bit of success of Black Nativity. What else might have came out? Maze Runner. Maze Runner. Maze Runner, that yeah. time. So, uh, I'm going to go to L.A. And thank God. I just love how God just aligned stuff. Because thank God Jacob yeah. met one of his best friends, Dexter, from Maze yeah. Runner. You go to L.A. It, Dexter got an extra room. Jacob lived with Dexter. You know, they roommate with Dexter for a year. And so during that time, Jacob was taking meetings on his own. I thank God that we were, I kept, I I, I included Jacob in conversation on a business side. Like I, I never kept Jacob out the loop of stuff. Business, you know what yeah. I'm saying? He might not have known, struggle, but he was not out of the loop of business stuff. You know what I'm right. saying? So when he was taking meetings, Jacob could discern the bullshit. He can discern it. And also even... Even if it was something he wanted to do, God really just made sure it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, God made sure it didn't happen. So yeah. he, right. he, I don't know one manager name, but one manager, we was like, are we doing this or not? And he was like, nah, I think I'm busy or because it was like he wanted to do it. And all of a sudden he he changed his he didn't mind. Want to do it. Yeah. Like, that, was, that was God. You weren't supposed right. to even be doing that. Was, you're supposed to be in because we already knew some things that he had already did so mm-hmm. it was almost like it was just confirmation well yeah, I'm I'm definitely forever grateful, and that's why I'm always indebted to you, Tish, for giving me the opportunity. Because I had to run down on Tish for she would even let me talk to Jacob. Me and Tish had me like, like, let me make let me make sure you are all right, buddy, yeah. <laughs> before you go talking to my son. Yeah. I discernment, yeah. like discernment. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate y'all, man. I, that was that was a great a, a great opportunity that you guys gave me, and and then it it um even deeper than than music and business, it, it I, I say this truthfully, like it really gave me a lot of insight on like how to how to raise your children, like the the job that she's done. Like Jacob, I kid you not, bro. Like I tell people this all the time. Now, I probably have told you this already, but I guess it's maybe my first time saying it publicly. Like you are quite literally the best human being I've ever met. Like I've never met a better human being than Jacob Lattimore. You know what I mean? And so, like the, the Jews and the gems I be taking from Tish and the in the way in the upbringing, man. So I, I appreciate that more than anything for this this whole experience that I've had being a part of you guys' team, man. It's been it's been amazing for real. So okay, so let me ask y'all this, like just just to round it out, because you know those were the early days, and and you guys made a lot of great decisions and, and had a long road, you know your success and, and the level that you're at, you know, it's obviously, um, what, 20 years? Cause you started at, at, 
nine and how are you 29 now? I'm 27. 27. <laughs> almost 20. Yeah, almost 20 years that you've that you've been at it. But here you are now today, and, and you know you're that guy. <laughs> you're that guy now. So so what does business look like for you now? Ultimately, right now, like film was something I I, I was probably least expecting to take over my my yearly kind of annual schedule, right? Like, you know, I think uh, it was it was something I, I I I knew I could lean on. Once I left the record company, it was just like, let me just step away from the music business just a little bit and yeah. really try to diversify. It's like, I knew music wasn't going nowhere. I, I felt like I was still young and I could pursue it again, like if the right opportunity presented itself. And then I also just, you know, I was getting older too. I was like, well, listen, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's like going to die for the dream and go broke for mm-hmm. the dream. Like, I'm like, look, I'm a, like, I, had, I had another... I had another hat. Yeah, uh, I, I realized I, I have as well. I have another side to me, which is like, hey, I know you want to do music, but you gotta go get this money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And that that kind of that hat kind of just started, and then and then I started to build more of a, a love for for the film craft yeah. because I started to see that it wasn't too much different from music. Like I'm like I'm still an artist. I'm still it's still something about the camera that feels more relaxing. And I'm like, honestly, I'm like, it's really much better business on this side. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's less people, less entourage, less everything. You know, I'm like, yeah. I said, the, the film bag is really a lot more chill. I sit down in one place for, for months at a time with music. I'm city to city to city. I'm club mm-hmm. to club to club. I'm room to room to room. Film, it's like, I can still actually go live a normal life. I can go out to a little restaurant, read my lines and eat some food. I just, it was, it, I started to see the lifestyle difference that I felt right. like I even needed in my personal life, which was a much more healthier balance too, I think, where I, yeah. and I, I, I remember as a kid, I hated reading. Like my mom, like, would make me read. I, I hated, I hated reading. Getting into film forced me to read. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you gotta read your script. You gotta read the, those 100, 120 pages, maybe 200 pages. So right. um, it became it became like a serious love I had for film. So I, I remember being in the film world, like, okay, I'm starting from the ground up here now, you know, like, and then starting to see like, oh, I have this natural sort of feeling and I never felt nervous or timid to be in the room with one of the, you know, some of the greatest actors. I just felt like I didn't really think about it, you know? Yeah. I, I think mainly because I didn't think about it as like this, Oh, I need to be the biggest actor in the world. I'm just like, I just need to, I need to, you know, I need this income a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it also turned into a like, oh man, I see how a script is broken down. I see the choices that this actress made. I see how this director, um, shout out to Sophia Bush. Uh, This is my first, my first TV and film opportunity, One Tree Hill. Mm -hmm. She directed the episode, me and Cersei. We drove to Charlotte. They, once you hear, was filming in Charlotte during that time. I remember her just being like, "You're you're, you're good." And she would talk to me, and she would talk to to me about my scenes, and and she would just kind of pour into me. And I was like, "Man, you know, at, at that time, I, I know what a that genuine that genuine love feel like from a director." I'm like, "Man, she, right. she dope," you know. And this is a big show. They went like six. Yeah, seasons I remember it. Yeah, at the time, and I only worked maybe a few hours that day. But I'm like, man, this was kind of cool. And we just, 
And I just fell in love with film overall. I, I knew that music was something I could do. And I was like, man, if I become one of the biggest film actors, I could really just pay for my own music career. And I could actually find whatever that business, whatever that business model makes sense for me musically, I can pour that film check into this and I could throw out a song or two. And I think uh, All Yeah was the first record I had put money up into. I had paid just a little bit of money for radio just to see what it feels like. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. then and then, then seeing my fans show up. I remember a show, it was a radio show in Alabama that reached out. And I remember 300 kids pulling up for me. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I said, oh. And it felt like this sense of like, oh, if I keep this up, I can really kind of control this thing. Like, even if I just stick with three, if I build 300 people in every city, that's a that's dope. You know, like, yeah. I'm still living the dream. You right. Know, as well as doing my film career so i just found like i just found this balance of um like all right what's what's gonna work for me and and how can i still maintain a lifestyle because we are living in atlanta we did like we we not going back <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it was kind of that that mindset that just that kind of crept in by 18 and 19 really 16 yeah. um once i made that trip to la living with living with my brother dexter and going out to those meetings on my own and Ubering on my own. Just like, I'm like, all right, I'm out here. And then I'm also, I met another group of just community of people, young actors who just reading the same scripts, auditioning for the same roles and creating this sort of, that same level of that friendly competition that was going on here in Atlanta. I felt there was a different community in LA that I, yeah. I met. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning something new. I just knew that I had more ability than I thought. Between being successful on, on both sides and just doing so much in your career at such a young age, can you speak on, you know, speak on it just it taking the village to, to get you to where you are today, if that's the case, if that's how you feel? No, yeah, I, I think it still, it still takes a village. Like, I think the hardest part is growing in a way where, you know, you know, sometimes when you build a company, you do want to build, you want to bring more staff on, you want to bring more people on. And I done went through a lot of trial and error where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to bring this person in and then they reveal themselves and I'm like, ah, I can't work with these people. You know <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because you do have a lot of people who want to, who want to be involved mm -hmm. and they kind of build a persona and social media is like this thing where I'm like, okay, it looks like they, they be working, you know, yeah. and, and you're trying to, you're trying to, you trying to build your team. And, Cause I'm like, as I get older, I'm like, I don't want my mom traveling with me to these club dates. And I didn't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Like at this point I'm like, and I think as an adult too, you know, it's, it's hard to transition from a child starting to people taking you seriously as a, as an adult, you know, like right. it's probably one of the most challenging things coming in too early. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Ma, I, I gotta, I gotta start looking for role managers. I gotta start looking for, I gotta walk in with security. And I think it was, it wasn't until just like a couple years ago, people were like really getting used to me just popping out on my own. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? They're like, where your mom at? I'm like, <laughs> they be like, where Jacob at? I be like, out. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because. When we out, when we used to walk in the room, it was me, mom, Cersei, like it was that, you know. Yeah. And then 
I just knew as I as I gotten older, I had to kind of. And it wasn't that they weren't on my team anymore. It was just more so like, hey, look, let me go into this space or this venue and let me feel that what that's yeah. like, or let me go to this movie set alone and see what that's like. You know what I'm saying? But at that at that time, because once I, I think once I became, what is it? When you become 18, you don't have to have your parents on set no more. Yeah, immediately when Jacob turned 18, I knew I wasn't going to set. I was like. <laughs> He don't need me. He grown. We have prepared him perfectly. He can handle yeah. being on set by himself. The minute he turned shit, I might have stopped going on set after Maze Runner. <laughs> My experience no. with Maze Runner. <laughs> and if you seen Maze Runner, Maze Runner, we was outside most of the time. It was country. It was in Louisiana. It was hot. My mom showed up with uh, Jeremy Scott Adidas, a crop top, like g- g- like dripped out, dripped out. Mm. No place for the woods. <laughs> I, like, I gotta go. I called Jacob Dad. I said, listen, we supposed to split this time. You gotta come early. He like, T, I can't. I was like, nigga, you gotta get on a flight tomorrow. I'm about to book. <laughs> better be here. And I was yeah. like, I'm leaving. I was set for my Jordans or my wig. It's not. I gotta go. <laughs> it was, was kind of like that uh, that reporter, like, what happened here at Augusta Hot? <laughs> Alright, so this this I just want to ask you guys both individually, like how important is self education to you? Like, do you feel like you would have got where you are if you weren't educating yourself? Self education is so important. Not self education is not just reading books, but it's also like just experiencing, just experience. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Whether it's good, bad, it's edges, it's education. So. I, I am a firm believer in being always being a learner, always watching, always paying attention. Yeah, it's so important. I, I, I and I, I don't think Jacob's trajectory could have gotten to where it's gotten without being educated, without experience, yes. without being open to bringing in other team members who knew more than I. You know. You, Jr. You had came in at came in really at a great time, you know, when Jacob was yeah. really starting to feel like, okay, I want to try this music thing again. I don't want to be in the studio. <laughs> well, yeah, I felt very comfortable being at the studio with Jacob at 18, 19 years old all day, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he need he needed that, you know, he his, own, his independence, his own entourage, you, if yeah. you could say, you know. And so, um, yeah, self-education is so important. It is so important. Not from books, YouTube, Google, to music seminars, not even beyond that, beyond music business education, business education in general. It's so important. If you're going to get into business, people treat the music industry as like just music, but you got taxes. It's business. You want to... How should your client be spending their money? How should they be using their credit card? What kind of business entity should they be creating? You know, what is going to be their business model? You know, how do brand partnerships work? What do you, what should you be looking for? What type of deliverables? What's the language in these contracts? So it's, it's beyond that. So very important. Won't get far without it. (laughs) Yeah, I think. I think too, like I, I definitely started to kind of wrap my head around like, all right, what's my income? And what are my expenses? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And how can I like, how can I live after the expenses? You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like it became, it became very like, all right, instead of trying to shoot 
you know, music videos that are just way too expensive. Let's let's go here. And honestly, when you came in the game for us, that really kind of taught me how to how to do it because I had I had that lab, record label mindset. Like, that, all my yeah. videos need to look like sixty thousand, fifty thousand dollar videos. And then you're like, nah, we in the streaming business. <laughs> we in the content business. Like, I'm like, okay. And the way we rolled out like C3 and how we yeah. just bust out like all those videos in like a matter of two days. And then right. and we were we were seeing what that back end looks like on, on the with some Empire. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, oh wow, this is this is different. Like every like one every video, because you know, I needed I needed one one or two videos to look top notch. You know what I'm saying? But like <laughs> and then I started to hear the word visualizer. I'm like, okay, visualizer, visualizer. Okay. All right, all right, visualize. We can do that. And you know, and I still I think as I as I progress in my film career and I see what how I look on screen as an actor, I'm like, man, how can I translate this into the music where my music videos aren't as expensive, but they still can be just as creative and quality. It's cinematic, yeah. Because I am building in my, I'm building in my film career, so the way I'm seen on television needs to translate. But yeah, overall, like I'm, I think I'm learning something new every day, and I'm, I'm happy that I've, I've experienced different, different eras of the music industry and that what the industry period. Like mm-hmm. when I came up, it was about. It wasn't really about social media as heavy. Like it was MySpace, but it was more about groundwork and passing out flyers and putting your posters on the pole somewhere. And then it became YouTube. Then it became TikTok. Then it became like Instagram. And then it just mm. became like all this other stuff. Then it became like, hey, you can't put your all, all your eggs in one basket. And so right. I'm just happy that I'm 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 constantly learning. I've always made the shift. So a lot of people don't make the shift. They're like, oh, I want to stay stuck in this way of how I, how I came up, and it just don't work. I know what you're talking about, man. It's, you gotta uh, adapt or die, man. You gotta adapt or yeah. die. That's that's commandment number ten. Well, I want to thank y'all, Jacob Lattimore, Tish Taylor, Cersei, for coming on the Ten Artist Commandments podcast, man. I really appreciate y'all for speaking on commandment number eight. It takes a village, man. Thank y'all again, and I hope everybody tunes in for the next episode. Appreciate y'all. We're signing out. For having us.